Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness and for his mercy as always. Um, God uh, keeps doing great things. He never ceases to amaze. Uh, we are back again with another Bible study in our uh, Bible Matters uh, series. This is a series of Bible study where by um, whatever God gives uh, us to talk about could be anything um, just at the time God gives us something and we go into that and um, we uh, bring whatever God is saying out in that particular study. So it's a little bit different from our core study series where we will take a set of scriptures and we are uh, going through that, doing a deep dive into that scripture set as we are doing one in the book of Psalms chapter 27. This is a bit of a deviation. For this particular lesson, I wanna talk to us about um, <clears throat> matters of the family. I wanna talk about something that is um, that is uh, important for us as the children of God um, to know and to understand because families, especially in this day and age, are dealing with so much. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn to Second Kings. I want you to look at chapter four. And we're going for this study. We're going to look at verses 18 through 26. Amen. So that is Second Kings chapter four verse 18 as the beginning, and we're going to make our way all the way down <clears throat> to verse 26. And the Bible says this, and when the child was grown, it, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a, to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him, and brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up <clears throat> and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of these asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it is, it shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and sat, said to her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite run now. Amen. Run now. I pray thee to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And he said, and she's answered, it is well. Amen. Verse 27, uh, I know I didn't say that at first, but let me go ahead and read that. And when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. 
and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. As always, may God have a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. I want to talk to us in this uh, bit of a side lesson. This one here is for the family. This is for families that are struggling, whether you're struggling with someone um, who is lost, unsaved, um, or someone that is uh, is saved and um, is going through some hard times, difficult times. You're going to find some application in this lesson that is going to help you no matter what the situation is. And you know why that is because God's word is universal. It just works in every situation. Doesn't matter what it is. God's word is going to absolutely work. Um, Shunem, um, which, uh, this, which is the birthplace or is where this woman is, is from. Um, this is typically known as uh, affectionately referred to as the story of the Shunammite woman. The story here, now I gave you 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 18 through 26, but if you back up further and look at some of the preceding scriptures, you will see that the story of the Shunammite woman does not actually start um, where I gave you. Amen. This is actually picking up. And if we look at it in terms of a narrative, then this would be perhaps considered the second half of the story. The first half of the story um, really uh, deals with uh, the prophet Elijah, who is the successor to Elijah. Amen. Who uh, at regular intervals would cross um, uh, in his travels would cross uh, the paths of this uh, Shunammite woman and her husband. And he would turn in and they would always uh, take care of him. But they noticed a pattern. They noticed that the prophet Elijah would always come by. And so what they did, decided to do one day, God put on their heart and amen for people who will be moved by the spirit of God and will open up their bowels of compassion and will just really be led by God. Well, they decided that uh, after seeing him enough and knowing that he would come by, they pretty much counted on him always coming by at a certain time. So they built a little room off to the side of their house, a place where he could turn in and rest. So no longer um, did he have to you know, make his way to an inn or something like that or whatever, but he stopped by and came by anyway. <clears throat> so why not have a room for him? It was such a blessing to the to the man of God. And he did just that he made good use of that of that room, especially um, that they would have a heart to do that. You know, there's nothing, you know, warms a person's heart more than when you do something for them out of love. Sometimes people don't understand why some people when they try to do well, by them, it seems like they resist what they're doing and they don't can't figure out why are you why won't you accept what I'm doing? Why won't you take what I'm doing? Sometimes um, that can be pride. There can be some pride running in that and people need to deal with that. Why? Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God does not under any circumstance want us to operate in pride. But sometimes family, um, people have a hard time taking things because they can feel the spirit in which it is done. In other words, it's it, it feels sketchy, doesn't feel genuine. So that can be a thing. So let that be a lesson to us and be a reminder to us that um, that it's it's the it's the heart that 
that shows forth the warmth and the love of God that really reaches people. And we'll talk about love <clears throat> and those sorts of things a little bit later. So they made this room for this, uh, for the prophet and he turns in and he stays there and out of gratitude and, and out of and thankfulness, really, God acknowledges that. God sees that. Family, what you do in secret, God will reward openly. This is not a, a this is not a cliche and that wasn't just a catchy saying. The, the Lord was letting us know how he operates when he tells us that in the New Testament. So as a result, and as a um, of, of this goodwill and honoring and blessing the man of God, there's also blessings when you bless the man of God, there's that as well. So if God puts on your heart to bless a man of God that's in your vicinity or that has been, um, that is laboring in the word and that has shared with you um, at, your, at your church or wherever it is, uh, don't neglect to do that. There's a, there's a blessing in store for that. God blesses for so many different things. Well, they were getting ready to receive a prophet's reward as it speaks. And in this particular case, the prophet noticed that this couple didn't have any children and, uh, um, and, and, and the husband was, was old at this point. And the Bible points that out in the scriptures uh, preceding our text. And God blesses them. And the prophet tells her that, that by this time next year, at the time of life, they would have a son. So they receive, and one of the most unexpected blessings, they receive the blessing that perhaps they had always longed for, but they were never able to get. They wanted a child. They wanted a family. They wanted their name to be carried on, but they just were not able. Some families struggle with that. The Bible teaches that children are the heritage of the Lord. I want to tell you something here. Yes, that is absolutely 1000% true. Okay. Um, but some families um, struggle with having children. And even though they struggle with having children, I want you to understand all children are the heritage of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that it is God's death. It is God's plan. It is God's plan um, that that um, that all children be raised in the admonition of the Lord. So whether or not you are able to physically have children, there are children out there that need to be adopted. There are children that are looking for homes. Don't be deterred by that. Yes, God can open up the womb and do that. And he does do that. And I've been, there are many stories of God doing that. So don't cease to try. Don't give up in that. Give it to God. God's will God will do just that in his own timing. But if that is not what God has for you and God wants and you want to, to, to be able to raise children, hear me, husbands and wives that are struggling in that area, it is a blessing and it is an honor and it is a wonderful thing for you to take children that do not have homes and to bring them in and raise them in the admonition and fear of the Lord. Amen. Now, in this woman's case, the Shunammite woman, she actually gave birth to a child. Amen. And so they received one of the most unexpected blessings um, um, that uh, of all. They weren't expecting that. So you can tell that and you just know that when it happened, it was a wonderful thing. Now, Shunam is an interesting place. Shunam is the place um, <clears throat> where David's um, um, the female attendant Abishag 
um, came from. Um, you read that in First Kings chapter uh, uh, one, verses three and and verse fifteen. That's her her place uh, of 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 origin. Um, Shunem was a northern town located in the Jezreel Valley, and it was near Mount Gilboa. Okay, in Megado, and you can read about that in First Samuel chapter twenty-eight, verse number four. Shunem um, was allotted to the tribe of Issachar, okay? So this, when the land of Canaan was divided up, Shunem was given or allotted to the tribe of Issachar, amen, one of Jacob's sons, um, through the casting of lots. And you read about this, in other words, almost like drawn straw, so to speak, but through the casting of lots, it was, it was divided up and it was <clears throat> given to the tribe of Issachar. And you can read about that in Joshua chapter um, 19, verse 18. Um, but eventually it would come under Philistine influence by the time of Saul. And you can read about that in 1 Samuel 28 and 4. So there's a lot of history surrounding um, Shunem, um, this location or this land from which this woman, our story, takes place with a lot of history with uh, Shunem. And from this place, we have this Shunammite woman who received the blessing of a lifetime. God did the incredible, what they could not do perhaps for years. God did. Amen. God can still do what no other power can do. I want to remind you of that. For those of you who are listening, no matter when you're listening to this, no matter where you're listening to this, your faith may have come under siege, but I want to encourage you. God can still do what no other power is able to do. Sometimes, moving into our scripture, things happen in families that are beyond our capability, our ability to influence, um, beyond our, um, our strength. There just isn't anything that we can do anything about. And as families, we will often from time to time reach these places, okay? That's something. And if you're listening to this, you already are, should be full aware of this. You've probably had <clears throat> more of your fair share of things that happen in the family that come up and they are beyond your ability to do anything about, amen. Um, First, second Kings chapter four, look verses 18 through 20. Look at, listen to what the Bible says here. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day. So now the child has been born, this miracle child. Amen. All of our children are miracles. And some of us parents need to go back to remembering there's a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of bitterness that's been falling out um, among families. And we've allowed distance and we've allowed this chasm to appear between us. And now we don't talk to one another. This is not of God. This is not the way God would have you operate. Children are still the heritage of the Lord. And sometimes we as we human beings get ridiculous and we allow our flesh to get in the way. And for one reason or another, distance begins to creep in between families. And so that can happen. Um, this child was the miracle child, but now he's grown up a little bit. Now he's a bit older. The Bible says, <clears throat> verse 18, and when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. Now his dad is reaping. So he's out there and he's working. He's out there 
um, and he is working in the field. He's getting ready to bring in a harvest. That's what the reapers did. They were bringing in, they cut down the harvest, whatever that was that, um, that grew, they were cutting that down and they were getting, they were bundling it up and they were preparing to bring it back in. Now the son or this, this child, this boy goes out with his father, but when he goes out and he gets out there, he begins to say something goes wrong. And all of a sudden he begins to claim, he begins to proclaim that he's having a problem with my head. When he says, my head, my head. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Now, I want to dig into this for just a minute here. The child, the boy got to his dad. So he went out there to work. He's under the care of his dad. He's out there with daddy. Daddy's supposed to be looking after him. Amen. And taking care of him. And daddy is because obviously daddy's there to notice what um, the son says, but something begins to go wrong, something beyond. Now he's out there with dad and perhaps he was there to help with it. Maybe he's learning the trade. Maybe he's learning how to do these things. We don't know exactly what the boy was doing out there, but he was out there and he's with his, with his, with his dad, but something began to go wrong. And he began to proclaim my head, my head. He began to to feel some pain. Obviously, something was going wrong. And what the Bible tells us here is is that that the the father couldn't do anything about him, so he sent him to his mom. But I want you to understand something. The boy said, "My head, my head." The problem that he ran into was with his head. That's a location. That was something that daddy couldn't do anything about. I want, I, want, I want to make this plain. I want to draw this out. My head, my head. Sometimes things happen in our families and we've got children and we've got loved ones that go astray or they are wayward. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter one, verse five, the Bible says, why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Amen. Glory to God. There are some times that families run into issues and the issue that we run into is with our children. Amen. Or with a loved one that is going astray. And it is the equivalent to this child saying having an issue where nobody could reach, where nobody could get to them. Daddy could not get to this boy. He couldn't do what he needed. He claimed my head, my head. He brought the boy, the boy was brought to his mother and his mother couldn't do anything. She could sit him on her knee and he was there for a time. And it seemed to be, and she held on as long as she could. Some, as she could. Sometimes families, we hold on to we hold on to our loved ones and we, we see the direction that they're going. We see where our children are going. We see where our loved ones and our friends are going and we, and, 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 we, and, and all of their actions, whether you realize it or not, as it begins to get darker, as it begins to get further away from what's right and we begin to watch them seemingly go down a dark path or go down the wrong road, every step that they take is a cry of my head, my head. And Isaiah tells us that the whole head is sick. The whole head is 
sick. And the reason why we have some of this and what's really happening is because the per there is a sickness that is going on and that sickness is called sin. The Bible says in our text, the boy cried out my head, my head. Now this was in the natural here, but, the, but I'm drawing a, a illustration of this same thing, but in the spiritual. There are people, when you see our loved ones going astray and going the wrong way, it's because the head is sick. You understand? There's a problem. The mind has become disconnected from God and the things of God. The heart has gone wayward and has gone in a different direction from God. But I want to tell you something. I want to remind you of something. We may have limits, but God is limitless. We might have roadblocks, but there are no roadblocks to God. Look at Zechariah chapter four, look at five and six. Bible says this, the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, knowest thou what these be? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Look at Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Sometimes, and I want to make sure that this is very plain for families as we start to, as we talk about this issue of family matters, sometimes we run into situation with family and we don't know what we're going to do and we don't know how that thing is going to turn around and it can start to seem a little bleak, but I want to tell you something, don't you give up. No, not at all, because the God that we serve is still able. It might be impossible with us. It might seem like those children, like those loved ones, whoever it may be, uncles, aunts, nieces, grandpa, it might seem like they have gone too far. It might seem that they are a bridge too far and you can't cross. But I want to remind you of what the word of God says with might, what is in with men is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Sometimes families encounter needs beyond their capability to meet. Now, the boy who was an unexpected miracle, he starts out in the care of his father, um, in the care of his father, but when he ran into trouble that his father could not solve, there are, when he ran into trouble that his father could not solve, he eventually sent that boy over to his mother. Amen. Now, watch this. There are times where daddy is unable to help and mama is unable to help. There are times when brother and sister and uncles and aunts and cousins and grandparents and whoever it may be, they are unable to help. But I want you to notice something. Daddy tried to help. He was with the care of his father. He started out there and daddy couldn't do nothing with him. What did he do? He went to, he sent the boy over to mama. Let me segue into something here for families, for marriages. Listen to all, for all you who have children, parents, husbands and wives. When the family and when our children's begin to, children begin to run aground, 
it is important that daddy and mama do what they can to reach that child. It is not okay for fathers to check out. When our children run into trouble, when they start to run aground, daddies, you must rise to the occasion. Don't leave it all for mom to do. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. The boy started out in the father's care. The boy was sent to his mom when dad couldn't do anything else. Amen. Amen. Notice what he did. He sent the child to his mom. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers must work together. You have to. You have to. You have to. When our children begin to 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 go the wrong direction for whatever reason or things begin to happen with loved ones you it is important that you remain a united front and that you work together for the common goal what is the common goal the restoration of that child there is nothing more, um, there is no bigger shame almost no bigger shame than a mother and a father who are so at odds with each other that they are unable to see that the household is burning down around them. Don't be that person. Do not be those type of parents that when everything begins seems to be falling apart amongst the family, that you so at odds with one another that you can't even get together to work together for the restoration of that child. Sometimes, family, to reach our loved ones when they start to run aground, you have to first be willing to love on the one. Let me say that again. Sometimes to reach love, to reach loved ones, you're not going to be able to do it unless you're willing to love on that one. Love has got to supersede your anger. Love has got to supersede your frustration. Because there are some issues, there's some circumstances that it's going to require love to get down into the crevices because you need to understand when the devil spins a yarn in the ears and in the minds of loved ones and they buy into that the devil can have your loved one so twisted that the only message that gets through is the one that is saturated in love you got to have love you got to have love not only do you have to believe, know that God is able, but you got to be willing to operate in love. Why? Because in order to love, in order to reach that person, love will have you keep going. Because reaching that person may require that you take a few lumps on the chin. After all, Jesus prayed while being crucified, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do when you're trying to reach loved ones they're gonna act out especially when the devil got they they got they almost got they got their undivided attention 
they're going to act out before they start acting right. And love will give you the strength to keep right on going, to not throw the book at them. Because listen, when you want loved ones, when we want them to be restored, you're going to have to move past the desire to throw the book because they're going to hurt you in ways that you didn't even think you could get hurt. Nevertheless, love keeps going, keeps right, keeps a, <laughs> takes a licking and keeps right on ticking. Amen. Amen. When tough situations occur, the prospect of finding help in our specific hour of need, it can seem bleak. And I know that families, it can seem bleak, like I'm not going to be able to reach but this word gonna help you today. So you just, you, you, you lock in, you stay with it. It can seem tough. And the prospect of finding actually any help can feel, especially when you're in the middle of going through it, it can feel very bleak, like it's almost a pointless effort. But this is not the case for the household of faith. Mm -mm, that's not your story. Second Corinthians chapter four, look at verses eight, go to verse 10. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. Look at Psalms 129. Look at verse number two. Many a times have they afflicted me from my youth. That means they've been doing it a long time. But look at that B, B portion. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Oh, it can seem bleak. I will give you that. Situations can seem bleak. It can seem dark, especially if you've been praying and you've been looking for loved ones to get their head screwed on straight. And it seems like, man, the more you pray and the, the more you try to talk to them, the, the further left they go. And it can seem like that. But I'm here to remind you, keep 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 in mind. Keep Psalms 129 uh, verse number two in mind. Why? Because God is telling you that you are not abandoned. God is telling you that it's not worthless. God is telling you that it is not pointless. God is telling you that he is right there with you. He is telling you that he is going to absolutely be right there. The devil going to lie because that's what the devil does. He is a liar and the devil going to do what the devil does, but God going to keep doing what he do. And you know what he does? He shows up when can't nobody else show up and he gets it done. Oh man, nobody better. You know what? You know, we serve a God who's still turning heads. I don't know about you. Every time my God comes through, he turns my head. I'm like one, I'm just watching his footwork and I'm like, God, how did you do that? But thank you, God. And you know, that's how, that's the type of God. Families don't give up. Don't give up. It can seem bleak, but don't feel, but don't give in to the way it initially looked and, and to the point where you operate in paralysis, meaning you don't do nothing. Do not feel like it's so bleak. It might take you by surprise. What your child, what your loved one is into might throw you for a loop. And you might feel like, man, how are we, how are we going to get them out of this one? How is, how is this going to happen? 
but I want you to know the battle is still the Lord's. It's not yours. It wasn't yours from the start, but God got you. You don't, don't, don't give in to that. Don't give in that because if you give in to that from the beginning, then what's going to happen is that the devil going to cause you to be stagnant and not move in this time where you actually really do need to move. Now, we just have to remember in situations like this, who to run to? Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run it into it and is safe. Family, when you run into problems, you need to learn how to use the name of Jesus. That is the name that is above all names. There ain't no name better. There ain't no name greater. And there ain't no other name that got power in it like that. I am trying to tell you that the name of Jesus, you know, some of us, we get into problems. And the reason why we stay in that is because we won't even use the name of Jesus. When you invoke the name of Jesus, all of creation must snap to attention. When Jesus steps in to the situation, it don't matter who was there before he got there or before you invited it in with, it went into the situation, which is a better way of saying it. But when God steps in, glory to God, I'm telling you, if I don't care how oppressed, the devil may have somebody that, that you love tied up, tangled up, wrapped up. I am trying to tell you that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And when you speak the name of Jesus and he begins to step in, I'm telling you, it don't matter how tightly wound the enemy got your loved one, they got to let go. Amen, amen, amen. See, don't let the dire look of the situation keep you from going to God because when a loved one is going astray, oh, we got some work to do. We got some work to do. And what we cannot afford is to get run off before we even start. Now see in verse 21, of 2 Kings chapter 4, the Bible says this, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. See, the Shunammite woman lays her son whom she cannot do anything about, her miracle child, what you, the, the gift that she didn't even, that, that she didn't even ask for, the thing that God gave her, the thing that God in his good pleasure blessed her and her husband with but when she but when that child ran into a problem that they could not solve what does she do she takes this boy and she brings him into the house or to the place where the prophet and I want you to understand something this is the room that they built and designated for the man of god the man of god in this case represents god himself it represents the place that they had set aside for God. Amen. Glory to God. It represents their commitment. It represents their belief. Glory to God. And when the child ran into problems, what they did was they took the child and she laid him in the room of the prophet and she shut the door. Glory to God. The prophet represents the room of the prophet represents the presence of God or the place where God's presence resided. Glory to God. I hope this is making some sense to you because I'm trying to 
to, to talk some faith into you. And it ain't going to come from me. It's God that's going to that's gonna do it. But, but she takes this boy and she takes him and lays him in the room. Amen. On the bed of the prophet, right where the prophet lay. Let, let me tell you, I want listen, listen, please don't. When, listen, there are some issues when we face them you must quickly recognize that there's nothing that you can do. You got to move quick to that decision. And then even quicker, you got to move on to the part where you take that problem, whatever it may be, and you lay that problem on the Lord. She laid that boy on the, on the bed of the prophet. Listen, that is the equivalent of taking your problem and laying it on the word. Do you hear what I'm telling you? When you run into problems and you run into that situation, I'm talking about that scenario and you know who I'm talking to. You know what situation is going on right now. That thing that you knew, that thing that it seemed like you cannot you better take that thing and you better run to that place where you know God is and you lay that problem on the Lord. You lay it on the word. That means you start speaking the word of God over that thing and you shut the door. That is the equivalent. Amen. 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 Leaving the problem in the hands of God is the equivalent of shutting the door. You got to take it to the Lord and you got to leave it there. Psalms 55, 22 and 1 says, and 20, 22 says this, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Do you hear first Peter chapter five and seven reminding us, casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. God wants you to bring your problems to him. That's the devil that wants you to think that God's not interested. God's always been interested. And you got to remind yourself and take and, and, and find yourself in remembrance that God wants you to take everything. God ain't there just to celebrate with you in the good times. God is there to, to leg it out with you in the hard times. God's right there to carry you when you can't carry yourself. Some burdens, listen, you're running out of steam. You're running out of gas because you carrying. You got to recognize what you can't do nothing with. Because when you realize that you can't do nothing with, you will stop spinning your wheels and you'll stop wasting all of your energy. You got to learn to put that on God. Amen. And you got to leave it there. See, there are some battles, family. There are some battles God will not give you. I'm going to say that again. There are some battles that God does not give you. But some battles belong to the Lord alone. Glory to God Almighty. Some battles are not yours. Some he's reserved for himself. Some he's going to show you something. Some he's going to display his power and his majesty. Oh, he's going to put it on display. Yes, he is. You and I are, there are some issues where you and I are not meant to take the victory on our own. No, 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 no. He's not going to give it to you to do. No. But rather, there are some situations where you and I are simply meant to share in the victory. Do you see here 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 47? And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into 
their hand. Some victory, uh, you not God not going to give it. He ain't going to work it by your hand. No, 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 no. The arm of the Lord going to do that one. God's going to do that all by himself. And what he intends to do is he going to share it, you the victory with you. Why does he do it himself? Because there's some things God got to do in order to build your faith. He and your faith is built when you see the power of God and the faithfulness of God. So there are going to be some things that God going to reserve just for you to sit back and watch. You're going to join the celebration. <laughs> you and I are going to join in in the parade of shouting the glory of our God, declaring his victory in the face of an enemy that he has shamed. That's our part. But the victory Mm -mm, that battle, no, God going to get that done. All he wants you to do is watch his footwork. That's all he wants you to do is watch how he moved because every time he moves his foot, every time he takes a step, every single time he does what you cannot do, he's building your strength. Be encouraged, family. Be encouraged. Now, when we get to verse 22, 2 Kings 4, 22, amen. The Bible says this, and she called unto her husband and said, send me. I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. Now, I want you to understand something here. The Shunammite woman is determined to go after the man of God or, or a determined to, act or to go after God because that's who the man of God represents. So she's determined. And that's what you see in verse, in verse, in verse 22. But, she see, but you also see something else. She's determined to go after him but she needs the assistance of her husband or of the family, okay? Amen. Did you see that? I hope you saw it. She went to her uh, husband and asked him, send me one of the young men and one of the, the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. Notice what she did. She went to her, she, she wanted, she needed to run. She was determined to go after God, but she needed assistance from her husband or her family. Her going after the man of God was the equivalent of going after God. See, there are some issues within the family where everyone needs to do their part especially when you're dealing with somebody that has gone astray or that is wayward or is struggling, doesn't matter what it is, whatever it is, there are some issues that family run up against where everybody needs to do their part. A family or a godly family or with, in godly families, at times you must understand, we must play supportive roles for one another in the spirit. And we do this whereby we assist when we do this, we do when we do this, we are assisting to the greater good. Amen. Amen. Not everybody in the family has a problem at the same time. Sometimes a situation occurs and it's with one family member. And it's a dire situation. It's an extreme situation. But it's much it's way too much for one person to handle alone. Amen. Amen. And so it requires you need God to do it. But but it's going but 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 it's going to require more than just you going after God. Everybody going to have to go after God. When the family reaches an impasse where they need divine intervention, it 
is critical that everyone play their part and that no one becomes a hindrance. Hear what I said. Everybody got to play their part and no one becomes a hindrance. If you cannot help the situation, resolve within yourself that you are not going to be an adversary to the situation. In other words, you are not going to make the, uh, you're not going to make a bad or tough situation worse. There is not almost, uh, again, there's almost nothing more shameful than when families reach a critical moment that we have family members who should be in an attitude of prayer take that opportunity to bite the devil's hook and act more ungodly and unrighteous, kick up more dust and more foolishness. I want to tell you something. You got to learn to discern the situation. Every time is not playtime. And when situations are and circumstances reach a certain point and it is critical, stop playing around. Stop acting nonchalant. Don't make a situation harder and more difficult. Don't become a nuisance and a hindrance. Don't turn a situation and make it about you. It ain't about you. You got to learn to prioritize your brother and your sister. Can what I have going on be put on the back burner? Can my situation wait for a little while? While we focus on what's most important, you got to do that. Don't become a hindrance. Don't do that. Now, when you get to verse 23, take a look at this. Verse 23 says this. And he said, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. Now, the woman is asked by her husband, basically, why go to him today? Why go to the prophet today? It's not a new moon or the Sabbath. Now, what this showed us, shows us, and, and I want to make this plain, because a lot of people, we, we get this wrong. We look at this whole aspect here as uh, we looked at this whole aspect um, um, as, uh, as, 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 as we look at this aspect wrong, okay? When you get ready to stand, in the gap by faith for someone, amen. Number one, don't expect everyone to initially understand what you have a stirring for in the spirit. See, when something starts to go wrong in a family or wrong with a member of the family, doesn't matter who it is, many times it's usually one person that starts to notice it first, that starts to realize the direness of the situation or the criticality of the situation. Usually it's not everybody at the same time. Usually it's one, it tends to be one person. Amen. 
But when it is, and when it is that one person, there are some things that you got to be on guard against. Do not expect number one, and you can be on guard if you set expectations um, correctly from the beginning. And one of the expectations that you have to set from the beginning that we have to accept from the beginning is, is that we cannot expect everyone to initially understand what you and I have a stirring for in the spirit. Don't expect that. And if you stop expecting that, everybody to be on the same page at the same time, you'll stop judging them unfairly when they don't rise to that occasion. Amen. You've got to determine that you're going to give a person grace and space to catch up. You, this might be hot off the press. Guess what? Everybody ain't read the news. It's hot off the press, but you're the first one to read it. Don't go ballistic on everybody else because they initially don't seem to understand the severity of the situation. Just because everyone else does not understand what you now get, what you are now aware of. Do not bite the devil's hook and allow him to trick you into painting yourself into the corner of isolation where you just tell yourself, nobody understands. Nobody, it's all me. I'm all on an island by myself. I got to fight this fight all by myself. I got to do this all alone. The devil is a liar. You need to settle down and give folks a chance to catch up. You got to feel folks in on the details and not go off when they don't know because they were not through because they weren't able to learn what was going on through osmosis. It didn't just appear in their head. And the devil got more people feeling isolated when problems happen in the family, like you got to fight it all by yourself and you're going to take it on all by yourself because they didn't initially come to the party when you showed up. And so now you think that you're all alone. Her husband's question was, is often taken as a statement of lack of faith, but that is not true. Her husband's question or statement was not out of anti-faith. That's not what he was doing. He wasn't trying to bring her down. He was not doing that. He was not doing that when he said, to, when he asked her, why go to him today? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. See. When the extraordinary happens, in the midst of the ordinary, an ordinary response just won't do. The response to the extraordinary that happened in the midst of the ordinary or the everyday the response must also ascend to the level of extraordinary. Extraordinary situations call for extraordinary responses. And there is nothing more extraordinary in the middle of the world burning down than to go running back to Jesus.
nothing more extraordinary. That is the extraordinary response. See, when life happens and something needs to be done, people tend to arrive at a natural conclusion before they arrive and settle on the spiritual one. See, he asked her, why go today? It's not a new moon and it's not a Sabbath. Well, the reason why he asked that because prophets coming by was not an everyday occurrence. Amen. Some of you may not have known that. But in the Bible, when you read, read about pro the prophet didn't just show up every day. He wasn't always around. Uh-uh. No, not at all. See, new moons, which also represent a new moon simply means the first of the month. That's basically, for the most part, what a new moon is. A new moon means a new month. Amen. <clears throat> we're in February, right? So we're in that moon. But the next new moon, amen, is going to be March. Amen. So a new moon is the first of the month. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. The new moon is the first of is the first of the month and Sabbath days. And these were normal days where prophets would stop by. These were the times, amen, glory to God. These were the, these were the times where the prophets would stop by. Amen. Amen. It, the Israelites marked the new moons by sacrifice. I don't know if you knew that or not, but the new moon was marked by sacrifice. The new month month was always marked by sacrifice and by the sounding of a ram's horn and by feasting with the family. So families got together and you can read about that. And you can see that in numbers chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. And you see it again in first Samuel chapter 20, verse number five. And then if you go to verse number 26 through 29, you also see that same thing play out again. So in other words, in other, in, uh, in other words, when her husband asked her that question, it was because the ordinary or the normal way that this would play out going and communicating with the prophet. The normal process would have been doing so when the prophet made his circuits or made his rounds during these special occasions. Amen. 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 And it is, and, and, and because of this, her husband was used to this because the normal time when we would deal with the prophet was, was during the times, the normal times, when the prophet would show up. Now we're talking about going to the prophet off cycle. Now we're talking about doing something out of, the, out of the ordinary. So it was a normal question. And this is why her husband was in the dark. But let me segue into something here, family. If the only time we reach out to God is during the prescribed times that we've designated for God. 
I'm going to deal with the things of God on Sunday because Sunday is when we have church. I'm going to deal with the things of God on Wednesday because that's when we have Bible study or Tuesday. That's when we have our prayer. What doesn't matter what it is. If, if, listen, listen, hold on. If you only reach for God during those areas and during those times where you set aside and designate for God, if you keep God confined to that location in your life, and you don't allow him to expand in and to saturate every aspect of your life, then when you are in, when you are in need and you need him the most, you know what's going to happen? He is going to end up being the last one you think about when he really needs to be the first one that you think about, especially when, when times, when the time is of the essence, when you need something to happen now and you can't afford that. And I'm telling you right now, some of us right now are dealing with some unnecessary problems longer or issues longer than we need to. Why? Because we still have not taken it to God. Why? Because God is still the last thing on your mind and you're still trying to work it out for yourself. Well, you know what? You let me know how that work out. You let me know how that work out while I'm getting my problem solved. And while others who have come to the party already have taken it to the Lord and they're getting their issues solved, you, you, you let us know how that work out. Because it is not God. Listen, if you listen, if you confine God to a box, he's going to stay in that box. He's polite. He is polite. And the room that you make available for God, that's the room that he's going to stay in. But I want you to understand something. That woman and that husband, they made a room for the prophet, which means they made a place for God. And they didn't just leave God in there. But when the trouble and when things got going, they went to that room. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't leave God in the room by himself. Every room that God is in, you want to be in. You want to invite him in. Glory to God, because he can do more with your situation than you can. Amen. 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 The Shunammite woman responded, watch this, with a declaration of faith. She said, it shall be well. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. We usually jump to the place where she says, it is well. And we skip all over this one. She said, it shall be well. It's not well yet, but notice what she said. She said, it shall be well. Her husband didn't understand. He needed some time to catch up to what was getting ready to go on. And she didn't throw him out. She didn't isolate him. She didn't do any of that, but she gave him room to, to catch up. She allowed him to get on the same page. How did she do it? She did it with a declaration of faith. She said, it shall be well when the situation requires everybody when everybody in the family needs to be fasting and needs to be praying and needs to be sending up timber to God on behalf of someone that has gone astray or that's gotten himself mixed up in something or is going the wrong way when the situation requires everybody but not everybody has yet discerned the severity of the situation you have to begin with a declaration of faith why because it takes the eyes, a declaration of faith takes the eyes off the mundane. It takes the eyes off the normal. It takes the eyes off of the normal. Glory to God. It takes the eyes off of what you can do in the natural. And it puts the eyes squarely on the supernatural, which is right where you need to be. Because you are in a situation that you cannot do. 
And you need to know that although you cannot do it, it is still a situation that can be done. But it's just that you can't do it. You got to know who can do it. She responded with a declaration of faith. It shall be well. Oh, it's going to work. She said, it's going to work out. It's going, it's going to work out. When situations start to start, listen, when situations start to, to, to besiege you, you got to speak faith. You got you to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. You got to begin to speak faith. You got to say, my child is coming back. He might have started out saying, my head, my head. And the word of God tells you that the whole head is sick. But you got to begin to declare in faith that my son is coming back. My daughter is coming back. My husband is coming back. My wife is coming back. My grandparents are coming back. My uncles and aunts are coming back. My nieces and nephews are coming back. My friends are coming back. Coworkers are coming back. You got to begin to declare it with faith. See, nothing rallies the troops and causes people to get focused, get where they need to be, like the language of faith. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hebrews 11, glory to God. And 30, Hebrews 11, just in itself, often referred to as the hall of faith. But do you not hear just a few verses of it, starting at verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Amen. Amen. After they were compassed about seven days by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth and David also and Samuel and of the prophets, amen, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, amen, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in the fight, meaning they got their second win. They got their strength in it. Glory to God. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Glory to God. Glory to God. You got to remind yourself. You got to speak faith. You got to speak faith when it looks hopeless. You got to speak faith when it looks down. You got to speak faith. I don't care what that child is caught up in whether it's homosexuality, whether it's all other sorts of wickedness, whether it's lying, it doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. No matter what you get caught up in. You got to speak faith. You got to declare it. Glory to God. Glory to God. And nothing rallies and gets people, especially when we need everybody praying. You need everybody to get on the same page. And the way that you do that 
is in the midst and in the middle of everybody else. You begin to rise to the occasion and you begin to declare something in faith. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at verse 24. First in second Kings four and 24. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. The Shunammite woman gave instructions. I want you to watch this very closely. The Shunammite woman gave instructions to the young man who had been assigned to help her. Okay. She, 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 she gave instructions and the instructions that she basically gave literally was to not slack off. That's really what she gave. I want to tell you something. When the family bands together, when we run into, when a family runs into the situation and it's all hands on deck, everybody need to be praying. Everybody need to be talking to God. When the family bands together to pray for a matter, those that are wiser and more experienced, those who, especially the one who has received the a stirring in the spirit first, must make sure that you set the spiritual tone from the start. When you are dealing and you've got to rally the troops, everybody is not on the same page. So they do not necessarily all behold the criticality of or the severity of the situation yet you need everybody calling on god you've got to set the stage you've got to set the pace from the beginning she told him from the start don't you stop this is what you need to do drive and go forward and you keep on going until I tell you otherwise, glory to God, glory to God. Family, let me tell you something. When you get a word from the Lord, you go forward and don't you stop until he tell you. You hold to the promises of God. You hold on to what he told you to do. You lock in on that thing and you refuse to let go. You stay with it. I'm telling you like Nehemiah, you better stay on that wall. Don't you come down. You keep right on working. And when you're dealing with a situation and you need everybody, you got to set the pace. You've got to let them know this is what we are doing. This is where we're going. And we are not going to stop. You got to keep everybody focused. You got to do that. You got to set the spiritual tone from the start. Now, I want you to look at verse number 25. Verse 25. The Bible says this, and she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to tell you something. When you own your way to God, God see you afar off. See, as soon as you start turning your mind towards God, as soon as you start setting your heart towards seeking God, I want to tell you right now, even before you open up your mouth to pray that God Almighty has already seen you. He already waiting. He already know. He already anticipating. I also got, listen, listen, listen. In verse 25, let me bring out something. The woman found the prophet at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel was the place where fire fell when Elijah prayed. 
called down that 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 fire and and did away with the prophets of Baal and proved himself strong. She found the prophet at Mount Carmel, but more important, Mark Car Mount Carmel was a place where faith was found because faith was required in order for that fire to fall. I hope you are hearing where I am going with this. Listen to me, family. When you need God most, you will always find God in the place of faith. Oh, glory to God. I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it, especially you who are struggling and you're trying to reach loved ones and it seems like they're just so far away. You're going to always find God in the place where faith resides. Faith is always going to be required. It's going to always be required. And you're going to always find God where, where faith is. Hear you not read Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Glory to God. Faith gonna always be required. It's gonna always be required. And that's why you will always find God in the place of faith. You're going to always find God going to be right there. Oh, yes, he will. Yes, he will. I know the devil told you he won't, but the devil is a liar. I'm telling you he will. You will find God in the place of faith. Matter of fact, God's already there. He's just waiting on you to exercise your faith and show up because God's already there. God's already there. But it takes faith for you to get where God is. Glory to God. Takes faith for me to get where God is. But preacher, what if I struggle with that? God got your back. God got you there. See, sometimes we struggle with faith. But because faith is still required, we got to learn how to deal with that situation. How do we deal with it? Well, we must in that place when faith is required and you know it's going to take faith, but you, but you, but, but you having trouble getting out of first gear. You, 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 you having trouble with that? It's in that place where you're going to have to proceed that faith that, with, with another step. And that's where you take your unbelief to God and you ask him to help you with it. Do you not hear Mark 9, 24? And straightway, the father of the child cried out. This is after Jesus asked him, do you believe? And he said with tears, motion, hurt, desperation, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Because many times our belief is saddled with the baggage of unbelief. We're carrying both of them at the same time. And the belief cannot fully blossom and mature because it's stifled by the unbelief that you and I are also carrying. And in order for that mustard seed size faith to begin to blossom into large faith, then we must unshackle it 
it must be unshackled, unchained from the restriction that is unbelief. And God is willing to do that for you. You just got to be honest about it. Don't be going around trying to pretend that you that, 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 that you got all the faith. No, you don't. You got a little bit of doubt. But that little bit of doubt is the enemy. But God knows your frame. That's what the Bible, he know you just does. And he know you're going to struggle with it. So what does he do? He partners with you to help you overcome it. So that your faith can reach full maturity. Take a look at verse number 26. We're almost done here. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her. And this is Elisha talking to Gehazi. And he tells him, he says, run now, I pray thee, to meet her. And say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well? with thy child. And she's answered, it is well. Now, the prophet asks her, I want you to watch this. Is it well, sends his, his servant to ask her, is it well with her? Is it well with her husband? Is it well with her child. Let me tell you why you can take family matters to God. Because God is interested in the family. You see, God is interested on how we are doing on the individual level. He wants to know how the wife is doing or the mom is doing individually wants to know how the husband how dad is doing individually wants to know how son and daughter is doing individually but he also wants to know how you're doing collectively notice watch the language he asked her how she was that's individual. But he asked, how is your husband? Notice how he refers to him. He refers to him as husband. He refers to him by the title conferred upon him by way of marriage. God is concerned about every aspect of family, including the marriage. How's your marriage doing? How is that doing? How are you doing? How's the marriage doing? How's that going? He asked her how the child was doing. And the child obviously is born to the couple. How's the family doing? How are the children doing? 
sins that met all of that. Amen. God wants to know how you are doing in your marriage. God wants to know how you're doing in your parenting. God is concerned about all of that. See, he's not just concerned about you by yourself, but he was also concerned about how you're interacting in the, other, in the other relationships that exist within the family unit. All that is important to God. And because the man of God asked her about it, you know what that means? And the man of God represents God. That means that if you run into problems in those areas, it ain't no need in you trying to fix it on your own. God is offering to lend a helping hand. You can bring it to him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Husbands, wives, do you hear that? There's help for your marriage. There's restoration. Oh, yes, it is. God does care about what's going on. God cares about what's happening. God cares about what's broken. God cares about what you think can't be fixed. And he don't care that you don't think that it can. He can do all things. You don't have to be able to see it. You just need to believe that he's able to do what you can't do. He can help you reach those wayward children because he can bring them back to the fold. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Shunammite woman says, it is well to the prophet's servant. She says that. She says it's well to the prophet's servant. So to Gehazi, this is what she said. She said it's well. But she said it when it really wasn't all that well. Now, she started out with a declaration of faith to her husband. It will be well. But when she got to the servant and the servant came to check in and came to, to see how things was going, she told him it was well. When it really wasn't. What's going on here with that? There are times where only God, hear me family, there are times where only God can help. And you cannot afford to get caught up or distracted by those that cannot help. Even when those that cannot help mean well. I'm going to say that again. There are times where only God can help. There are situations there only God can help. Only God can do it. And because of that, you cannot afford to get caught up or distracted by those who cannot help, even if they mean well. Even if they mean well. Matthew 6 and 3. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Simply revealing that there's some things that you don't put on open display. There are some things that's not for public consumption. There are some things that's not for everybody. People can mean well, 
but there are some situations where you need to stay focused, family, and you need to keep running to God as soon as God makes it known to you that you need him. As soon as you become aware of it, you got to stay in that vein and you got to persevere and you got to push and you don't stop until you get to God. Yeah, it's a whole lot of people that mean well and they'd help you if they could, but they can't. They cannot. She gave the servant what he could handle. It is well. It is well. That's what he can handle. But she gave to the prophet or to God what only he could handle. There are some times where you families run aground and we got situations, circumstances, and we need God to do something. I want to tell you, God is able. And he's not going to stop being able. But everybody's going to need to get together and go after God for that loved one. Because after all, We serve a God that leaves the 90 and nine and goes after the one. We serve a God that, that when one coin is lost, he sweeps the whole house in order to bring it back. You must go to him. Everyone, the family must go to him. And if you will do that, all the family members that are able, God will hear it. You just go to faith. And if you're struggling with that faith, you give that to him and you tell him, God, I'm struggling. But I'm choosing to believe you help me, God. And God will strengthen your faith and start showing you things that are unshackle your faith from the chains of unbelief freeing your faith to blossom and to grow to just the right size needed to bring about the blessing of God some will mean well some will want to help that are outside but not everybody can help. Don't get distracted by trying to take your problems to a whole bunch of other people who seem like they might be able to help. They can't help. Some things require a heart change, a mind change, because the whole head is sick. God bless you, family. I pray that that word encourages you and that you find a way to not only just use it, that you're inspired to live in it, but share it with others as well. God bless you. Until next time.